Well, good morning, church. Buenos días, mis hermanos y hermanas. Y bienvenidos a la casa de Dios. Welcome to the Lord's Church here. Yeah, um, our prayers are with Patterson. When we spoke this morning about 6 a.m. or so, actually, I could barely hear him. And on the phone, I do pretty good. So those of you who know I have bad hearing, he just was, um, could barely speak. So, you know, the old adage, at least we use in the military, if you want to hear the God, if you want to hear God laugh, just do what? Tell him what you'll be doing tomorrow. <laughs> but our prayers are with Patterson. I want to make sure this is moving here. There we go. This morning I was um, about, I don't know, six o'clock or so, wondering, sitting there sort of staring into space. I don't have hip pocket sermons. That isn't bad. I just never do. Um, I may decide on one, though, in the future. I may get a, put a couple away. <laughs> but I was um, just thinking, Lord, asking, talking to God, kind of in conversation, what, what exactly do we all have in common? I mean, your people, and not just the church, but the entire world, what, what do we have in common? What could I possibly share with a moment's notice that would remind us who we are and to whom we belong? What do we, even the body of Christ, have in common? The answer was pretty quick. We love the Lord, do we not? Yeah, right? We love God. The answer was also, for me anyway, very quick, that um, we've all fallen short of God's glory, which is Christ. Last week, really, uh, several, several days ago, I was talking to a good friend, and we were just sharing sins that we both committed, sort of a, um, a brotherly moment. And then um, he was, you know, feeling down, and I was feeling a bit down for him and for me as well. You know, when you talk about what you've done wrong in your life, and you've lived as long as I've lived, um, which was longer than he had lived, he's younger, then you realize the need for God's grace and mercy and love. So finally, I just said, the truth is we're in the same leaky boat. And we all, we are all in the same leaky boat. We've all fallen short of God's glory in different ways, but nonetheless fallen short. That's why we need Christ. Without Christ, we have nothing. We are nothing not any different from anyone else out there among the seven and a half billion people. And I thought, what can I say or do that would remind us of that truth that we live in a fallen world? And I thought, well, let's take an example from Scripture that we're all familiar with, although I haven't put it to memory, the text itself. Um, not sure why. I think because... Um, Right or wrong, I've dealt mostly with the New Covenant, New Testament. And this comes from 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. I want to talk about David, who after all, according to 1 Samuel 13, 14, was a man after God's own heart. Do you think he was in a leaky boat? Do you think whenever the Lord called him in 1 Samuel to be the king over his people, actually called him to be prince, God is the king, Nagiv, he was a prince. Do you think the Lord knew that the time would come one day 
when he would commit this horrific sin with Bathsheba and then compound the sin? Do you think the Lord was aware of that when he said, you're the one, I've chosen you, a man after my own heart? And if that's the case, how does the story end? Because as you pick it up here in 2 Samuel 11, it certainly, um, it certainly doesn't begin that way. I don't normally have water when I speak, but for those of you who know, I've, I'm on some medication. Well, come on now. Just, not that kind of medication. Just <laughs> it, it keeps me breathing, and it's a pretty heavy steroid. It doesn't work on the muscles, but it sure clears the lungs up. Okay, look at everybody turn to... I don't have the text on that. I don't have time to put the text up. If you have your Bibles, turn to them. 2 Samuel chapter 11, because we're going to be working through 11 and 12. Hopefully not too long. We'll see. It, it, you know, I told um, Goyo this morning, I can provide the, the passages for the translation, but I can't provide the narrative because I don't know the narrative. <laughs> but listen, listen to the word of the Lord. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go forth to battle, David sent Joab. Joab was his commander-in-chief. Uh, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabat. And, uh, but David remained at Jerusalem. That tells you a lot. In the days when kings go to battle, David's in Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking upon the roof of the king's house, that he saw uh, from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she was purifying herself from her uncleanness. This is later now, nine months later. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived and sinned and told David, I am with child. So we start with the sin of adultery. Now, plug in any sin you want, because otherwise the message from God is meaningless. If you've committed adultery, you can use that in your own mind between you, your heart, and God. If you haven't, we're still in the same leaky boat. There's many sins that we've all committed, and this message is for me, for you. Anytime you open up the Word of God, if it doesn't speak to you, it's nothing more than a vain exercise, so make it applicable. Apply it to your lives. We all sin and we've all fallen short, right? Of God's glory, Romans 3.23. So David commits the sin of adultery. Now what does he do? Well, I suspect the same thing that we all do when we do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or don't speak when we should speak or don't do those things that we should do at the moment. We tend to rationalize a little bit, some for years, others for a nanosecond, and we cover it up. And that's what David did. So David sent word, verse 6, to Joab. Once again, he was the general of the armies. Then he said, send me Uriah the Hittite. Now Uriah's on the, out there in the battlefield, right? We'll discover later he's one of the mighty men. 
The sin that David committed was far more than just adultery. Now he commits murder. Actually, he tells Joab, bring, you know, send, send Uriah on some R&R, some rest and relaxation. Send him home. Now, the moment he does that, he understands that, that uh, Bathsheba's with child. I said nine months. Child wasn't born, but Bathsheba's with child. And so he brings Uriah home, the king does, hoping that he'll go to his home, his house, sleep with his wife, and cover up this dastardly sin that David knows he committed. He knows the Lord. You know he knows God's word. The sixth commandment, he knew. So, Uriah comes home. But he's an honorable man. He's not going to, I'm not going to read this too long of a text. What he does is he sends Uriah home and the king says, here, I want you to go and go to your home. And then the king gives them presents. And there's presents for him to go to his home. So Uriah does, but he sleeps on the steps because all he thinks about are his men. Not necessarily his fellow generals. He was clearly a high-ranking officer, but he's not going to have all the comforts of home both food and wine and his wife. So no, he doesn't. Well, the moment David finds out about it, he can't persuade, he can't dissuade Uriah to going into his house. So he sends for Joab again. And he tells Joab, put Uriah on the front line of the battle. And then withdraw. So we have the adultery. We have the cover-up. We have the murder, but it still doesn't end there. Do you know who Uriah was other than being Bathsheba's husband? I'm going to read one verse of scripture, maybe two. I've got it marked here. Just a few chapters later. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And he goes through every man's name and his family crest. And he finishes in verse 39, Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. Do you understand who David's mighty men were? If you've been in the military, or even if you haven't, you understand rank. You understand the general's staff. You understand your leading people. All of your strategic thinkers, all the tactical work is done out. All the generals will follow them or lead them, rather, into battle. Uriah was, was one of the general officers. He was a mighty man, one of David's hand-picked 37. David knew Uriah well. He didn't know the wives or the children or the family. Why do you think Bathsheba's, why do you think Uriah's house was so close to the palace? I mean, Jerusalem's pretty good size. You know, David was a young man, but he couldn't see miles away. He could only see a few hundred yards, maybe. It's because all of his mighty men had that. These were gifts, no doubt, from the king, his very residence. And bathing on the rooftop was Uriah's wife. 
Now, if he had simply called for the woman, laid with her, not asking who she is, okay, just adultery, and then, then you know, that's between... No, he finds out who is she. He discovers that she's one of his own. She's the wife of one of his mighty men. But to cover his own sin, he tries to lie to Uriah have him break this professional um, soldiering honor that everyone in the military understands. It's a core value. And that doesn't work. So he takes one of his mighty men that David, or Joab anyway, hand-picked. And to cover his own sin, he murders him. Joab had no choice. I'm sure he wondered why, I presume he did, but he had no choice. And he's on the front line and he dies. So you've got the sin. We're in the same leaky boat. We tend to cover up whatever we've done in the past. And it may be just for a moment. And that's why we're going to talk about the reckoning. There's always a reckoning. It's either on this side of eternity, and I pray it is, or it's on the other side. But all sin will be reckoned with. Right? All sin. That's why we need Jesus, not just a little bit, but like, that's it. There's no other doctrine. There's no other teaching dedicated in Scripture that's, that's more important. You know, John 3, 16 is it, guys. I'm telling you, there's nothing much else there. That God loves us enough to give His only Son. If you believe in Him, you'll be saved. It's that, it's that whole faith in Christ moment. Well... Adultery, cover-up, murder, betrayal, but there's a reckoning. So what happens? Well, the prophet Nathan, again, I'll just paraphrase it. There it is in the text. You can look at it. The prophet Nathan comes to David. By the way, well, no, I won't go there. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the prophet David goes to Nathan. Uh, the pro can I start over? <laughs> Somebody help the boy. I'm just up here. There's no place to run, and I don't have much of a leg to run with. If this were on level ground, I might make it, but I can't get at it. You need a little beam me up, Scotty. Okay. When the prophet Nathan approached King David, he said, good king, let me tell, I'm going to paraphrase, let me tell you a story. It's a great parable. And the king said, yes, go ahead, prophet. And Nathan says, there were two men in a certain city, a very wealthy man, a rich man, and a very poor man. The rich man had flocks of sheep and herds of cattle, had, had, had all kinds of things out there, right? They had all of this. He had the sheep. Is it a flock or a herd of sheep? I don't know. He had sheep and cattle. The poor man, the prophet says had one little female lamb, a ewe lamb. One. In fact, that one lamb, he didn't plan to butcher it. It was his pet. It was the children's pet. Everybody played with the lamb. I'm sure the lamb had a name. But a visitor, a traveler came to the rich man's house. And instead of the rich man taking one of his own sheep or one of his own cows to butcher and feed his traveler, which any good host would do, the rich man goes to the poor man's house. Probably not him, but his servants. 
busts the door down, takes the ewe lamb and butchers it and gives it to his friend, his traveling friend. David didn't even let Nathan finish the parable. He was angered and he just blurted out, that man deserves to die. And of course, you've read it. Nathan said, you are the man. Now, when David heard this, his whole demeanor changed. It doesn't make up for what he did, but it reminds us in the leaky boat, God wants your heart. And so David told Nathan right there in the text, Verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin and you shall not die. You deserve it, you shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child that is born to you shall die. Now, on the other side, God works it all out. On this side, I'm always confused, but that's where faith comes in. Faith is just saying, okay, I don't really get it, but I believe you, and I know you love us, and I accept it. Now, as soon as David discovered his sin, and there was a reckoning, I'm not sure if I have this. Yeah, I do. But then comes the remedy. That's why I want you to fill in your own sin. Then comes the remedy. So David, being a poet, turns around and writes this psalm. And he says in the 51st Psalm, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Uh, cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Yeah, I'm going to skip through. Verse 10 in the same psalm, after he says, I know my sin is ever before me. By the way, he says in verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. I'm telling you, isn't it peculiar that neither in 2 Samuel 12 or the 51st Psalm that David once turns to Bathsheba and says, forgive me, or to Uriah, at least to the Lord, and tell the Lord, tell Uriah, forgive me, have Uriah forgive me, or to Joab, the commander-in-chief, telling his commander, I'm sorry I put you in that spot, and he could, he could have just gone around to all of his 37 men. He could have made a public confession to the entire nation of Israel, but he didn't. Why? Because when everything is said and done, it is God who is the one crushed the most. I've had young people, this is a little bit of a rabbit, forgive me. I've had young getting married people. You know, just getting married. What, what is the secret as if I know it? You know, you stay around long enough, they think you know stuff. 
What is the secret to a long-lasting marriage? I can tell you this from the get-go. You have to love God more than you love your wife or your husband. No one else against thee only have I sinned. Notice how he finishes this great 51st song. Oh, I'll just do it from memory. Created me a clean heart, O God, and do not cast your Holy Spirit from me. Recreated me a clean heart. Put a new and upright spirit within me. And then he finishes with, if I were to offer sacrifices, you would not be pleased. The sacrifices that the blood of bulls and goats, you would not be pleased. What you want as a sacrifice is a contrite heart. A contrite heart you will not despise. And that is why God loved and was pleased with David, knowing that we all are David's. The older we get, I do believe we sin less. I pray you do. Gray hair doesn't connote gray matter, but it should. So, what do we do? Well, I tell you what, one of the go-to psalms for, uh, psal, um, <laughs> one of the go-to verses for me is in 1 John 3, 19. The Apostle John writes something like, I don't know if I can remember it or not. I've got it marked. Hang on, we have plenty of time. If I miss it, just read all of the epistle. <laughs> Here it is, something like this. You will know that you are of the truth if your heart condemns you. This is how you know you belong to Christ. If your heart condemns you. We sin. I'm still remembering stuff along, you know, decades ago. I know east and west, and I understand all of that, but it's still right here. I'd like to just kind of, like God, forget about it, but it, I just, it's just like impossible. But I can also, my heart can overrule my brain and say, yes, but You've been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. The two will never come together, not north, south, east, west. There is not a, de there is not a demarcation between the two. So this is what we do, church. That's the last slide. This is what we do. We realize that we are in the same leaky boat with everyone else. <clears throat> the difference that we have, the world doesn't have, is Jesus Christ. And because... Because of that, then we are forgiven. And once forgiven, we're cleansed. And once cleansed, we're saved. And no one can take you out of the hand of God. No one. Only you, I think. And that's if you stop believing in the Messiah, stop believing in Christ. But your sin, I don't even think your sin, as I read the text, can remove you from God's hand. 
because you always can come to the Lord and repent in that nanosecond or an hour later or a year, whatever it is, you come to Christ knowing that you have grace and mercy and love in times of need. That's why we can draw near to the throne of God, Hebrews 4, right? That's why we're confident that we can draw near to the throne of God. As you come forward, um, let's all stand. And, and I'll, I'll ask my shepherds who are uh, chosen to come up this morning. And you can prepare to sing, Thomas, lead us. Do you realize that every shepherd here is in the same leaky boat? Do you understand that? That we are the chief servants of the family? That we're the bottle washers? Do you, do you really get it? Why do you think only old people can be elders? That's what the word means, one of the words anyway. Because we've trusted in Christ for so long and we know ourselves so well and we've seen ourselves in God's mirror so often we understand who we are and to whom we belong. So if there's any sin in your life, it's not the shepherd or Thomas or anyone if you want to go and pray. Only Christ forgives us. And he's there and he does forgive us. If you feel the need to come to Jesus, just like David did, then come while you sit in your pew and pray. Or if you want to walk up front and talk to Todd and Wayne and Jim, then do that as we sing. Thank you.